What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Long time no talk, but Pat's interference is back. We've got so much to discuss tonight. Spring games have started. We've got to go over our terrible March Madness bracket. The NHL playoffs have started. The NBA playoffs have started. And oh yeah, it was Masters Week two weeks ago. What happened to Jordan Spieth? All that and more in this episode. This is Pat's Interference. Welcome everyone. This is Season 2, Episode 5 of Pat's Interference. My name is Patrick Norwood. And I'm Patrick Brigham. Quick little disclaimer, if you hear what sounds like static in this episode, it's not actually static. I stopped and got my wife a treat, and then I got myself one. It's the uh, this frozen cherry limeades from Sonic with Pop Rocks, and then I forgot I was doing a podcast. So I'm Man, drinking I'm a jealous. drink with Pop, with Pop Rocks. And Man, I paid I'm good jealous. money for it, so I don't care. Like, I'm going to sit here and drink it. I don't want it to melt. You- yeah, well, you know what? And honestly, before we hit the big time and we start doing this show at major radio networks, it's probably good to go ahead and get these embarrassing growing pains out of the way. Everybody, how's it going? We haven't talked to you in a month and five days, and I'm sorry for that, but Patrick and I have both been very busy. Patrick's been handling his promotion like a champ, might I mention. <laughs> well, I've, thank you. I've, I've been dragging my feet through Masters Week. Uh, at the Golf Channel, we had a great week. 55 hours of live coverage, Patrick. We're going to get all into the Masters later in this episode. We're also going to talk about the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs. But first, Patrick, let's start with the thing that brought us together. Alabama football. A-Day has come and gone. Patrick, what were your first impressions from A-Day? Well, obviously, and i got to say this, I mean, we spend so much time emphasizing spring practice and spring practice, but I'm actually more of a fall practice guy. But if I we're going to, if we're going to talk a day or talk spring game, the last three years, the conversation has begun and end with the quarterback battle, which was interesting right. because going into the day, we really thought about really three contenders for that starting quarterback spot, three dudes. We want to see how these three guys play. And then we left the day with maybe four, contenders i mean it was it was uh it was a crazy day um dominated by the defense obviously that's what's happened again three years in a row uh defense is dominated it's vanilla play calling um getting your feet wet live action live bullets so before i we dive into the specific quarterback battle running back battle cornerback battle all that stuff um it was about what I expected, to be honest. Like, nothing happened that surprised me except maybe one or two things. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, You know, honestly, the play of Jalen Hurts is surprising. Um, just because, I, you know, we all heard he was good. We all heard about how great of an asset he was before the national championship game, sort of playing the role of Deshaun Watson, being the, the de facto Sean Watson. We all heard about what a great athlete he was. Patrick, he's too young. You know how I feel about two true freshman quarterbacks. It doesn't work out well, ever. Um, I, I think if Saban were the type of guy to start a true freshman quarterback, Blake Barnett would have gotten more of a shot last year. Uh, Blake Barnett did not play great. Cooper Bateman played the worst out of everyone. David Cornwell played it's interesting you say that. Fine. Why? Go ahead. Who do you think? Here, well, let's do this. You rank the you rank the way you thought the quarterbacks played, and I'll rank the way I thought the quarterbacks played. Well, it's hard to rank how they play when every time they get touched, they're down. Like, it sucks. I, it's, it's, I it's hard. It's, it's a tough Don't situation. But... Like, I understand that rule, but we didn't get to see – yeah, we saw Jalen Hurts scramble, 
but he scampers out of bounds for five yards. I mean, it should you know, be flags for the quarterbacks. They should yeah, have flags. Sure, sure. But, you know, okay, so you asked me to rank them. I'm going Hurts, Barnett, Cornwell, Bateman. See, I would go, I would go Barnett, Hurts, Bateman, Cornwell. I was really unimpressed with Cornwell. By far the most. I mean, not even – he had one good throw when he had what looked like this best arm question mark. But I, I, I don't start the guy that I say has the best arm because well, Patrick, I've seen the best arm fail too many listen, times. Listen Russell. to the you know top I mean. two we named and the bottom two we named. There's a huge separation in those two, in my opinion, from this game. Now, like you said, we shouldn't put too much emphasis well, on Well, one, they were also playing the, second, they were playing the second team D. Right. They didn't have – Hurts – Hertz and, and Barnett were not running away from Tim Williams. He That's was on true. the other side of the ball. That's a great point. But at the same time, I saw Cooper Bateman show flashes of John Parker Wilson that I hoped I would never see again. Um, I saw David Cornwell, who is already in my doghouse. I know my doghouse really doesn't matter, but for his actions last year on and off the field – um, I don't trust him as a leader. I don't. I don't think he's grown. I haven't seen any maturity. I haven't heard any stories or anything from any of the insiders that I talked to in the locker room that he showed that he's ready to pick up and take the reins as a football player. Um, so you know he's already got to come from behind, in my opinion. I think in a lot of people's opinions, including the coaching staff. So well, if, you're I, asking, if you're asking me right now, it's got to be Bateman. I think we're I think we're looking at um. Or, sorry, Barnett, not Bateman. Barnett. Sorry, I go know ahead. what you're saying. I think we're sh- the thing that hurts Cornwell in my mind is especially since Kiffin got on campus, we've really transitioned over three years now into not a full spread offense, but a pro spread, which is like you know it's got a lot of spread right. factors and quick screens, but it's still a pro style offense for the most part. So here's the numbers you had. Um, you know, the, the the crimson side and the white side, crimson going against the one, white's going against the number two. So uh, Cooper Bateman, 9 of 24, he had by far the most passing attempts on the day. 9 of 24, 86 yards, and he had the interception. Then you got David Cornwell, he was 5 of f- 13 for 50, and most of his yards came off of one pass. Mm. Um, you got Blake Barnett, 9 of 16 for 112, and Jalen Hurts, 11 of 15 for 120. So I really do want to actually – break down each individual one separately. So I guess we should just go down what we thought coming into the game to be the depth chart. So let's start with, with Cooper Bateman. What did you see on from his play on Saturday? And what what, what impressed you? What didn't impress you? Uh, what impressed me was the fact that he didn't get down on himself because it would have been really easy with the way he played. Um, you know, he was constantly under pressure. Now, whether or not that was the O-line's fault or not, or the receiver's not getting open. I saw a lot of the, sh- the shades of Jake Coker. You know what I'm talking about. The beginning yeah. of last season. Throwing off his back foot. Uh, not checking down. Um, forcing balls that didn't need to be forced. Throwing behind receivers. Uh, you know, taking a two-step drop. Taking four seconds to make a decision. And then deciding you're going to scramble is not how you win football games. Especially in the SEC. Especially with the teams that Alabama has to face next year. That LSU front seven is going to be deadly next year. Deadly. And I don't want a quarterback back there who takes six seconds to make a decision, and then once he does, it's too late. I'll interject here. We were saying, and, and these are we know these are two different guys, but we were saying the same things about Coker last year. Coker took too long we to process. Were. Coker and didn't that, have the head on his shoulders. That's why so I'm, ag- 
that's why I'm agreeing with you that yeah. when you say we shouldn't look too much into spring practice, take it with a, a grain of salt. Time. Yeah, there's take a, a lot of take time. everything we say with a grain of salt, really. But we can't plan our podcast based off of what we think the players are going to be like. So you're yeah. asking me what they're like right now. I, I'm saying that Cooper Bateman is in last place in my mind. Hey, I, I see, and that's the thing. I know he's the scene or not. He's he's the he has the most seniority. He he has the only one with game experience. But one from the game experience I saw. Hated it. Hated everything that he did last year. I know he was just kind of thrown in there, uh, but I didn't like a single thing that Cooper Bateman did on the field last year for Alabama. No. Here's the here's what I see from him. Uh, the only thing that impressed me was his final drive leading up to the interception, which was a bad interception. It and since really they do, bad. since yeah. they play these things to be like a game situation, if that's how he's going to handle a game situation, listen, I love that he can rally the team, drive them down, get into a position to win the game. But I don't want a guy that's going to float a ball to the free safety in the end zone. So um, he, he just doesn't seem to process. You know, they say he has the best grip on the offense. And in practice, he's doing great. But in, when the bullets are live, he doesn't seem to process the information so fast. He looks so wide-eyed. I mean, I mean all of them look wide-eyed to a, to a degree, except I'll, I'm going to get in that later. Jalen Hurts looked the most poised. But um, you, you know just, who else looks great in practice, they say? Jeremy Johnson. <laughs> That's true. Jeremy Johnson looks so. Yeah, it's, it just gets skittish. He gives up on plays too quickly, but apparently he's going to be the one that takes care of the ball. So if they think even after the interception, I know every quarterback doesn't. I don't want to buy into one interception too much. If he's the one that I get, why the coaches like him right now? The coaches don't want a guy that's going to go out there and try to hit the home run every time. They want a guy that's not going to turn the ball. Or if that's if if that continues to be him. Um, because remember, Blake Barnett threw an interception for a touchdown last year in the spring game. If that continues to be Cooper Bateman, then sure, I, I understand it. But I want to say, he didn't do anything. He obviously didn't win the competition, but I don't I don't think he lost it. So coming out of spring, he's got to still be considered the coach's number one. Do you agree with me there? I, yes, but it's all seniority. If you put these guys in a vacuum and you just take them at face value, which I know you can't do, but if that's what we're doing, tell me you're going to pick him right now. You're no, not. absolutely not. You're absolutely. not. But I'm going to tell you who I who I like. I mean, I, I ranked him for you, but I'm going to tell you who I want to go with and not just because of his hype. So we'll move on to David Cornwell, and I'll talk about him real quick. David Cornwell is the one that I was really unimpressed with. And I'm not even thinking back to last year and the rumors I heard about him last year in fall practice. Because, um, you know, coming out of spring last year, he might have been – the number two, maybe even number one. Everybody's talking about him, and then he fell off the face of the earth for whatever right. reason. Anyway, right. he just – he had one good throw to uh, – he had the one long pass of the day. He had the best single throw of the day, second best single throw of the day um, when he hit Calvin Ridley. Finally, yeah. finally yeah. something that was, happened. That was a nice pass. Side. That was a but good pass. Other than that, I mean, he was – he was throwing the worst balls. He looked the most uncomfortable. I know we had Tim Williams coming after him and all that. But just with what our offense wants to be and what I saw, yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't want to buy in too much into it, but I was thoroughly unimpressed with David Cornwell. I, I, was, I was too. I, You know, Patrick, I've already touched on it, so I'm not going to go too far into it. Like I said, he's starting out in the doghouse with me already. 
he's going to have to do a lot to earn my respect. And he absolutely did not even come close Saturday. So, sorry, but I, I'm not really feeling David Cornwell. I will not be surprised if he's transferred by this time next year. So the next two quarterbacks is why it gets interesting, because they played on the second team against the second team defense. Right. And um, and so that that's that's what so you're... makes it interesting, because we both ranked them ahead of the first string guys. So everything you, we say, you have to remember who they were up against. Well, and let's, at the let's... same time. Right. There were major flaws, and I'm going to go into Jay. I'm actually going to rip Jalen Hurts a little bit here. Okay, go um, for it. A lot of things, but I, I want to talk about Barnett first. Okay, well, how about this? I, I I take Barnett, I rip him apart, you take Jalen Hurts, rip him apart, and then we'll argue. Sure. We'll argue for the quarterback. Okay. Blake Barnett came in with all this hype. I think it's gotten to his head. I think he's a little too overconfident. I don't know if it's the coaching staff telling him that. Uh, as far as running this pro spread offense i'm not sure he can get the job done um and it worries me a little bit he's got the gunslinger mentality which patrick you know i usually love but i'm worried it's gotten to his head a little bit he forced a lot of balls over the middle forced a lot of balls over the middle left left cam sims out to dry one too many times for my liking um and you know i i like the kid i want to see him succeed I think he needs maybe another year under the offense to really, really get it going. Excellent. Okay, so with Jalen Hurts, and here's the thing about the two quarterbacks that we keep saying went up against the second-team defense and didn't have Tim Williams coming after him. Then again, Jalen Hurts was sacked um, five times. Blake Barnett was sacked six times. On the other side, David Cornwell was sacked once. Cooper Bateman was sacked twice. Yeah. So you're talking about triple the sacks on the other side. That's the major flaw in both guys um, in the game. They're the ones that we look to to extend the plays, but they weren't extending them very well. And part of that, right. like we said, was the one-hand touch. A lot of these sacks, they probably would have eluded, and we didn't really get to learn if these are the kind of guys that are going to throw the ball away because they never had a chance because they got touched right. and then they blow the whistle. Sure. Jalen Hurts... Um, I think, don't get me wrong, I've already complimented him looking the most poised, and he looks like, right now, the biggest playmaker of the bunch, um, and easily the biggest surprise. And the coaches are high on him, don't get me wrong, but some of his stats are very misleading. He threw, by far, the most infuriating and worst football of the game, which is when the team was still down, and he threw that ball that got tipped to Cam Sims. Complete pure luck that he threw into triple coverage. Right. Worst, worst, dumbest decision of the day. People forget about it because it got tipped and was caught. Um, and then he ended up scoring on the drive. So you have to give him a huge thumbs up for scoring the touchdown. And uh, But he got sacked a lot and Barnett got sacked a lot. You, you said that you don't think that Barnett can run the off the pro spread. I actually think he's the ideal guy to kind of run a pro spread. I think he has the most arm talent. But I agree with you when you say I think something's in his head. Either he's in his head, the expectations are in his head. Um, but I don't think he looks overconfident. I think he looks like somebody who's nervous but also knows overwhelmed. that he's overwhelmed but is also pressing a little too much. Sure. I, I understand you know? that. And, you know, like I said, like and like you've said, and we'll keep reiterating this, you don't need to look into the spring game too much. You don't. Yeah. It's like last year when you and I were talking about when the first college football playoff rankings came out. Don't look into it. Don't yes. buy into it. Don't let it get to you. 
it doesn't like it, it's such an archaic sort of way to judge talent that I know now in this we need it now we need it now we need it now sort of mentality that we've got around sports where it's constantly available to us that this is our one chance to see these guys for what three four months and so we try and soak in everything we can soak in what if they just had a bad day what if the o-line had a bad day what if blake barnett had a bad day you know it's just there's so many different things that go into this we could be completely wrong about cooper bateman we could be david cornwell could come out next year looking like kenny stabler good remember blake sims two years ago awful 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 I, s- I remember saying, I remember saying, if he's our quarterback, we're in trouble. Yeah, I said we were going to win seven games if he started for us. And then he um, became one of my favorite players to ever put on a Crimson jersey. Yes, so. it's completely different when you're throwing. Because you got, you got a very inexperienced quarterback with a mostly inexperienced offense. Um, and then you're throwing them up against an All-American number one in the nation defense. And also they practice against them every day. So the defense basically knows what's coming. They know the plays. Um one more thing about Barnett that I forgot to mention was I just kind of – I didn't explain why I thought he played the best. He looked wide-eyed. He made a lot of mistakes, took probably more sacks than anybody needed to. Um, but I'm actually looking past the sacks except the one that Nick Saban sacked him on. Um, yeah. But I, th- I felt like he led the most amount of successful drives than anybody. I felt like Jalen Hurts' drive should have ended, whereas the touchdown. He led a, two drives that were Adam Griffith misses – and one where the snap was too high, and he maybe could have caught it, but that was the center's fault, and you know, then they end up kicking another field goal. So, um, I, you know, I, I think that the reason he moved that, the ball well, people forget it because of Adam Griffith, honestly. I, I think that the reason people are so high on Jalen Hurts and why he played so well is because there were no expectations behind Jalen Hurts. Yeah, absolutely. There were none. none. He could just go out there and play and have fun. So, like I said. You know how I feel about true freshman quarterback. That being said, it was nice to see a quarterback go out there and say, you know what, I'm just going to grip it and rip it and see what happens. And he played great. But he for what it great. would take for if if what it would take for Nick Saban to put in a true freshman, I, I if he put him in, I'd be Patrick. I'd be like, well, the, I'd be all behind it. I have I would have no qualms with him starting any of the three except Cornwell. But then again, I always have to. You know, if Saban puts him in, then sure. Then I trust him whatever Saban says because he's the smartest man in the game. Can universe. I just say I'm really tired of hearing about Cooper Bateman's 40 time? I don't care what oh, your yeah. 40 time is. If, <laughs> if you can't throw the ball, I do not care. You are not playing wide receiver. You're not playing running back. I don't care what your 40 no, time is. No, Cooper Bateman's 40 time. I don't care about your 40 time if you're not going to run the ball. Remember the old Miss game? He was he, he was so scared to hand the ball off or not hand the ball off on the read options. He could have gained 20 effing yards, but... He held on to it, and then um, Derrick Henry was chopped liver. That's a anyway. great transition into our next topic that's going to last 30 seconds because, holy crap, our running backs are going to be good next year. Damian Harris played out of his mind. Huge Both Scarborough is a monster. If he can keep his weight down, that's the only thing I'm worried about with Bo Scarborough is that he gets too big. But then again, I said the same thing about Derrick Henry last year before the season started, and then he won the Heisman. Yeah. No, Harris, Harris was obviously the most pleasant surprise on offense. 20 carries, 114 yards. Uh, he had that tw- nice, very impressive 20-yard scamper. I don't, bouncing I don't off of dudes. I what don't know the... if I agree with you that he was the most impressive surprise. On offense? Cam Sims had three receptions for 66 yards and looked really, really good doing it. True, true. You're and right. And his downfield I'm... blocking was impressive. 
I'm still sticking with Harris as, as my most pleasant improvement. Uh, just the way with breaking tackles, running low, looking like he looked great. Um, he, lo he looked like Eddie Lacy running the ball a little bit. Just it was like yeah. a bowling ball. I mean, it was it was just it was fun to watch. It's it's going to be fun to watch that tandem next year for yeah. sure. And then Scarborough, he didn't have a lot of yards because he was going up again against the pretty much the same defense that held Leonard Fournette to 31 yards. So what can you what can you really expect with that kind of play calling? Let's um, talk about he, that defense a little bit. Yeah, that's what we got. That's let's talk about Rashawn Evans. 17 tackles, 10 solo, and a sack. You've got you 10 17? Williams. 17 tackles. Wow. You've got Kendall Sheffield. Go ahead and talk about Kendall Sheffield a little bit. Well, Kendall Sheffield, people forget about him with the influx of five stars we've had recently on the cornerback side of the ball. Um He's a little bit, to me, like Marlon Humphrey was last year. You know, Marlon Humphrey redshirted when Tony Brown got all the attention. Uh, and then last year, Kendall Sheffield redshirted while right. Minka and Humphrey got all the attention. So right. we forget Kendall Sheffield is basically, as far as the recruiting sites are concerned, same exact spot that Minka was. Sure. Number uh, one corner, top ten kind of player. And you mentioned – you mentioned, sorry, not to interrupt you. You mentioned Marlon Humphrey. I just want to make sure I get this out before I forget – Marlon Humphrey was spotted on crutches yesterday. I have an insider telling me that he had a wart surgically removed from his right foot after A-Day. It was a procedure that was planned before A-Day. He's fine. A lot of people freaked out when they saw him on crutches. Maybe thought he got injured on the interception. Maybe thought something was going on. Uh, he's fine. Um, uh, apparently, it was just a wart on his foot. Awesome. Good. I have, I've had a um, wart removed. On the football field, little gross story. I had one on my finger when I played football in high school, yeah. and it hit a dude's face mask. That's and I don't know if you've ever had a warp come off or take taken off or removed. They bleed like like they just wouldn't stop. So I kept rubbing it on my jersey because we were practicing. Came home in my white jersey, completely red from all the smears. <laughs> my mom almost fainted. Anyway, I digress. Um, cool. Good to hear he's doing well. I didn't know. I had no idea he was on crutches. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kendall Shuffield played well. I expect good things from him. Um, you, you mentioned Rashawn Evans. The most interesting thing about his 17 tackles is that he's been – I don't know that he's officially moved to the inside linebacker position, but they've been they've toying around with, with him it. in there. Yeah, they've toyed they've, with him for quite there's some a good time chance. Now. There's a good chance they'll be playing opposite of Reuben Foster a lot. And can you, has there, can you imagine two inside linebackers on the same field that fly around like missiles like those guys do? It, it almost oh. worries me that they're going to be susceptible to a little play action. They're going to be so excited to go up and pop a running back or absolutely just kill a quarterback on a read option that they're going to leave that little slant route over the middle for 30 yards. One of those little, like, Tennessee, Auburn fake reads that then they yes. pop it over the top? Well, I'm not really worried about Auburn next year, but Tennessee will eat that up next year. They will. Um, other defense... Um, you had uh, you had uh, who else? Who else played? Uh, Ronnie Harrison had the interception at the end of the game. Pretty cool. He got the little championship belt for that. Yes. Turnover belt, whatever they call that it. Cool. A great cool mention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, it was, overall, defense played great. I don't really know what else we could expect from them. Um, they're very obviously the stronger part of the team, as they yeah. have been for the past decade now. Um, Patrick. Got on here. Who can win the number four receiver spot before Dietrich gets to camp? Yeah, I think it's Cam Sims. I don't know. Like I said, he was the most pleasant surprise to me. 
you know, our Darius I Stewart. Ex- yeah, I, I agree with you. I didn't expect yeah, him to Robert do that. Green and uh, Calvin Ridley, who had a rough game. Calvin Ridley had a couple of drops couple on Saturday that were very uncharacteristic. I don't think it's too anything too bad to look into. Even Amari and Julio dropped some during A-Day games. But they dropped a lot in games, I and mean, they've they've they yeah. had their fair share of drops too, especially early in their careers. It's so you know, I, I I think it's Cam Sims. I think it's Cam Sims' job to lose too, and I'm I'm not sure that we're really in a position and a system in our offense where we can't run that many wide receivers out on the field. Well, so I mean, you he, got Foster, you got Stewart, you got Ridley, like you said, but another one that played well was um was a uh, was Derek Keith. He had the touchdown catch. Derek Keith played well. He looked, well. he, looked, he looked like a pretty solid possession receiver. I think he's a year or two away from really contributing. But if we're talking about a number four, he could maybe find himself in the mix, him and Cam. But Cam Sims is so tall, he looked like his injury was absolutely nothing out there. It was, it was cool. I, I've always really liked him. New number, yeah. too. He took the Kenyon Drake number. He, it suits he, him. He has a great number. The only number quandary that I have from Saturday is that I'm still upset that Blake Barnett is not number eight. So we could refer to him as he is number eight. Wait, he is number eight. He's six. No, he changed to eight. He changed to eight. I swear I saw him on Saturday. You you maybe saw a picture of him from last year, but I 100% well, cross my heart know that he's number eight. Now we can get into our Star Wars podcast next week. Yeah, uh, he is BB-8. That's beautiful. I, I can't wait then. That was I his, can't that wait. Was I thought he was running number. six all day. Nah, he was, he's number, he, that was his high school number. He changed once it got freed up from uh, whoever wore last uh, who was wearing eight last Hagen, year? Last year, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, yeah. Um, overall thoughts from a day, Patrick. It's not that you know. It is important. It's great for the fans. Oh, I got, I got one more thought. Go ahead, Adam Griffith. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna freak out about it because he missed his first four last year. It's just, it's just getting him out of the way. I, I hope that's what it was. I hope it wasn't an injury I'm, flaring I'm trying, up. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about him anymore. I, I, I hope harped on him too much last year, and I, I just he's he's going to be Adam Griffith whether I decide to talk about it or not. But you can't tell me. You can't tell me that if against USC and he hasn't taken a kick so far this year and we're kicking a big field goal, you're not going to be you're, – you're, you're going to get a little bit of butterflies. I, I'll be very nervous, but I don't remember the last time an Alabama kicker stepped up to a kick like that where I wasn't nervous. Where I, I thought mean, you're okay, naturally nervous, it. yes, but like you know. No, but I mean, I mean, any more than I would be if it were name somebody else, Kate Foster, Lee Tiffin, who's in between Lee Tiffin and Kate Foster. What's that guy's name? Shelly. Shelly. Yeah, I I was nervous with all of them, so. No, I, I mean, not any more nervous than I already was. All right, so, well. Adam Griffith will work it out. I believe in him. I believed in him during the national championship, and he played great. Played great during the Auburn game. Played fantastic yeah, he, he almost the won LSU the Auburn game. game. He was 5 for 5 and nailed a 50-something yarder. Um, so um, I'm with you there. I just wanted to bring him up. You know, you can't, no, no, I, you can't I, do I understand. It it's a podcast. We have to. All right, let's move to the NFL. You, you are really, really big into the draft. Oh, Go yeah, ahead. Huge, huge draft news day anyway, but. You know, take the, take the rank, two. take the rank uh, on this one, my friend. <laughs> it's something my dad and I do every year. Uh, we get into the draft. I mean, him and I are both really into the NFL. It's kind of our thing, and we always watch the draft together. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to watch it with him this year because I work nights now. But um, yeah, I mean, I I know where all the teams sit, who they're all looking at, what they all need. But I figured it'd be fun because you're 
you're uh, average. You're, you're, would you say you're about average knowledge I'd, on I'd the draft? Say, I'd say I'm slightly above average. I, I just I don't I don't buy into it too much. I've been fooled too many years in the past with oh the draft is going to be such a big deal this year. No, four or five it's of the always... guys are going to pan out fine. Well, that's the that's the fun of it. One, that's one or two of, of them will be great. No, because it's not you fun just for had me because I don't like had, the NFL at all. You just had two franchises mortgage basically their entire next five year future on the Eagles. What they just did moving up to number two, I get the. I mean, I don't maybe, really get the Rams. Maybe the dumbest decision they've made since hiring Chip. Because here's the thing: the Rams know who they're going to take. They yeah. say they don't, but they do. They do. They, they traded up to get exactly their guy. The I, Eagles I, just forfeited their future to get one of two guys. You know, we don't really know. That's that's. Ugh. What if one of them? What if one of these two guys is is is, is walking down the stairs tomorrow yep. and and that's blows exactly his knee out? And what, you if, just... what if he? What if he's waking up? What if he's Patrick Brinkman, gets up to get a Kool Aid out of the fridge off of his couch and tears his ACL? You I just mean, ruined you were... your franchise. That was a bucket handle tear, by the way. That was not the ACL. What? That was just cartilage. It was one of the funniest <laughs> injuries I've ever heard in my life. It's 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 up there. Anyway, so the the idea was, um, since it's Alabama podcast, we'll just I'm going to name off the list of Alabama guys, and you're going to tell it. me where Let's you go. think you'd like to see them go. So Here I'm gonna we start go. With uh, who's our number one prospect? Reggie Ragland. Reggie Ragland, I've got going to the Atlanta Falcons. They need help. On the linebacker position, he's got a lot of really, really good closing speed, which will really help out in that division. Who's next? I'm with you. I like that one. Uh, Jerron Reed. Jerron Reed, I've got going to the Redskins. I think the Redskins could really, really utilize him there. Uh, and Lord First knows round. that franchise needs. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say so. I, I mean, why would you not take a chance on him? With the way he played in the national championship game, you're telling me you wouldn't take Jaron Reed. I would, but I'm obviously biased. I don't. I think his stock's fallen a little bit. Um, Ashawn Robinson, surefire first rounder. I don't. I, I think there's a handful of teams that could take Ashawn. I I don't know. That that one's tough for me. That one's tough for me. I still don't know where to put Ashawn. I put him at the Saints. And the, part of this that. is just fun. You can say you like him in a Saints jersey. That's part. I think he'd be awesome in a yeah. Saints jersey. But yeah, also, they yeah. do need they do need defense help pretty much across the board. Um, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry I've got going somewhere in the middle of the second round. You still haven't asked me the, the two people that I've read the most on. Or I guess the one person now. Cyrus Jones? No. No. Ryan Kelly. Oh, Ryan Kelly. Ryan Kelly has the, – the world is Ryan Kelly's oyster. Do you know how many teams need somebody who can block? And the team that I actually think is going to get them is the Detroit Lions because, good Lord, Matt Stafford got sacked – what was it? eight or nine times in the first half in one of their games last year. I think Ryan Kelly is a great fit for a lot of NFL teams. I think he's going to be one of those guys that we're looking, you know, you and I are sitting down doing a podcast episode, you know, or a radio show or whatever life throws in our way in four or five years. And I look at you and I say, Hey, did you know Ryan Kelly's still in the league? And you're yeah. going to be like, yeah, dude, he was a pro bowler last year. I can definitely see that in Ryan Kelly's future. I like um, that. I'm going to go back to Derrick Henry a little bit because I'm really interested in what people are saying about him. And Patrick, I, I really, I really hope I'm wrong in saying what I'm about to say. I'm not going to say he's going to be a bust because I hate that word. I think there's a lot that goes into the NFL that people don't really understand. I think calling someone a bust is a bit, 
you know, shameful. But do I see him lasting very long in the NFL? No, not really. Do I see him winning rookie of the year? Absolutely not. I, I just – it reminds me too much of Trent where it was just their, their main appeal in college was the fact that they could just bully people. They just bullied people. They were bigger than you. They were faster than you, and they could just smash in to the head of the line, fall forward, and get three or four yards. And that doesn't work in the NFL. I'm, you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna compare and contrast Richardson and, and Henry here real quick. From what I've and especially the last two weeks, what I've come to really learn about Richardson, I they're compared a lot, but I honestly think these two guys are different monsters. Henry's work ethic. And, and, and mindset around the game of football and his preparation for the game is, is light years ahead of where Richardson – we thought Richardson was there. He had us all fooled. I read recently that Richardson was severely undercoached in high school. So most of his time at Bama was really more spent breaking bad habits than turning him into the kind of running back that succeeds in the NFL, that knows how to read coverages, that knows how to make quick cuts, that knows how to pass protect. None of that was taught to him because they were he didn't know what it meant to press. He came to, I read that he came to Alabama in his first practice, he was asking the running backs coach what a press is, which is very general knowledge at, at the running back position. Henry is the way he prepares, so I don't he's not gonna bull people over like he did in in um in college. That's that's a given. But I really think he's going to be the second best running back from this class. I see I see him lasting. Uh, shelf life for a running back right now is about four. I see Henry lasting as either a backup or a starter for about seven. Um, and I hope he wow. goes to the Dolphins because they need running back help. Seven years for Derrick Henry. He's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, so he's a big target. He's not gonna. He's going to be easy to find in there. He's going to be it's, easy it, to find on just, the field. It's just so hard to keep that weight up and stay injury free. No, he's got to keep his weight down, which that was Richardson's problem. He could, he just cut his weight from that's, 248 to 218. That's what, that's that's what, what the what Ravens told him he had to do. That's what I'm saying. I mean, obviously, I, I know I misspoke, but you know what I know I what mean. you're saying. Yeah, you're, you're trying to keep he's it in the right the size of the average NFL linebacker. Yeah, like you you don't do that and play running back and not get injured once or twice. Now he'll get injured. He'll get injured with his running style. He'll get injured, but. I, I just don't see him lasting seven years. I'll, I'm going to say top four. Tops. Four years. And then I hope he comes back at some sort of assistant level. Or... Well, you don't you, – you can't – he's going to go second round. Unless a team – Yes. Unless, unless draft day gets weird and some team trades up into the bottom of the first round looking for a playmaker because they missed the one they really wanted. Um, he, then... and, he and Dallas seem to have some sort of affection for each other. I think Dallas has a has a has an affair right now though for Ezekiel. Everyone has it for Ezekiel Elliott. That dude's pretty awesome. But um, he's good. I, I'm just not. I don't know. He's good. He's really really good. But um, it's something interesting I want to mention from A Day too. That, that this all ties in together. I'm not sure if you saw the picture. There's a p- picture that floated around of Coach Burns, Alabama's running back coach, with. What a lot of the players, a lot of the players tweeted it out, put it on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, that it was the class is what they called it. And it was these running backs, okay? Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy, Derrick Henry, and uh, Trent were all in the locker room, arm in arm, around Coach Burns. They're all talking about 
these are my boys, these are my brothers. Whose name did I just leave out of that? You left out Yeldon. Was not pictured. Was at A-Day. Not sure if he was just late to that meeting. If maybe he caught up with him at O'Charlie's after the game. I I was just a little shocked that, you know, and it kind of confirms the suspicion that I've spit at you and maybe like a weird Alabama conspiracy theory that Yeldon just didn't really fit into that mantra. But I love Yeldon. Uh, a lot of he's such I an do not. I mean, it, and it helps because he's an after he's obviously an afterthought after what Henry just did. But I love him for what he was. I, I wish just, he would have progressed a little bit more at Alabama because he came in great. Patrick, you know my stat about TJ Yeldon. The fumbles. The reds. No, not just the fumbles. The red zone fumbles. The part where you absolutely cannot fumble. He, at the end of the day, he cost us one true game, and and, and you know what? Almost, that sucks. Almost cost us two if Blake Sims hadn't turned into beast mode during the 2014 LSU game. At the end of the day, he cost us one game, a Johnny Manziel-led game, which is fine. I have a special place in my heart for TJ Yeldon. Um, Good for you. I do not. I, I don't think he fit in. I, I feel bad for saying it. I think he was a great player. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like I'm not grateful for what he did. He played great. He played his heart out, especially his freshman and sophomore seasons. But I just don't consider him in that echelon or anywhere close as the names that I just no, mentioned. He's, he, he's number five. He's number. If you're talking about those four guys, he's a deep, deep number five. That's, you want a bold prediction? I think no once Bo Scarborough gets done, he'll be number six. You don't think Bo ever? You don't think Bo even touches Yeldon? No, I'm saying Yeldon doesn't touch Bo. Oh, I see what you're saying. All right, all right, all right. Other way around. I thought you were saying Bo would be number six. No, and no, no, no. That that would be great because listen, we're. F I don't. Oh, know. you I, know what? I'm I'm sorry. I was wrong. Trent is not in that picture. Kenyon Drake was the other guy in that picture. Oh, there we go. Which I thought was interesting, but. You know, it just, it, I don't know. Something about it just struck a weird chord with me. And like I said, it's probably because I've got that weird conspiracy theory that he doesn't, not that they don't get along, but just that he didn't fit in. You can not fit in somewhere and still get along with people. I, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm ranting right now, but um, anyway, brush up. Go ahead and finish this off on the NFL draft. What are your predictions? What shocking things do you think are going to happen? Oh, boy. Um... Well, I think all the shocking things are already happening. I think the mo the thing that I won't shock me, but I think will happen, is that we've already we already know that there's gonna be two quarterbacks taken number one and two unless one of them trips and falls and breaks his knee or something. Uh, quarterbacks going one and two, and this is a this is a, a generally weak quarterback class. You're talking Jared Wa Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. Behind him is Paxton Lynch out of Memphis, who by the way Auburn made look like way mediocre auburn yeah made look way mediocre he's gonna go first round i think connor cook and christian hackenberg might find a way to slip into the first round yeah i i don't i i can't believe that connor Hack, cook Hack, might hackenberg be a first is a stretch, rounder, but you're but right he's getting he's catching buzz today for some reason because he was not coached right at penn state and he has the best intangibles because remember he was the number one quarterback in his recruiting class and he played a very good year under the the year you know the after all the Penn State tragedy stuff, he played a great first year there, and it looked like he was going to be the next megastar at the position. Basically how um, Josh Rosen's looking now, that's that's the way that, that well, Hackenberg looked two years right. ago. Right, 
But I, I still just, I'm in shock that we're even discussing Connor Cook. Oh, me too. I mean, it, it's, it baffles me. It baffles but I would not be surprised to see the 49ers take him, trade down and take him. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jets take him, the Texans take him. No, the Texans just paid. What's his face? Not the Texans, sorry. Um, who am I thinking of? Um, the Redskins. I could see the Redskins trying to draft him. I could see the Broncos taking. That's what I meant to say. The Broncos. Any of those teams. Yeah. 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 Because uh, it's such a it's such a quarterback league. If you are choosing between lesser evils this year, that makes your quarterback position even even more limbo next year. And you're not if you're not having a quarterback, your team's not playing well. You're not making money. So there's that's why these two mediocre draft quarterbacks that really aren't super prospects are going to go one and two because they're so desperate to get a guy that can win a couple games and make them some money. Yeah, the Rams are, are in a whole new town. Yeah, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like this is a really, really weak year for the draft. I've been more disinterested with this draft than I have in any other year. And part of that because, is just the fact that the, the amount of Alabama guys there. that stayed. This is a great draft if you're looking for pass rushers, you're looking for corners, basically anything on the defense. But that's not sexy in the NFL draft. You want the quarterbacks at the top. You want people choosing between Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin. You want people choosing between, um, you know, uh, Amari Cooper and Kevin White. That's what you want. So Julio I get and you. AJ Green. Julio, yeah, exactly. You want that. So that's why it is on the surface. It looks like a, and bold, it will be. It will be a boring draft. After bold the prediction, picks, but. Maybe a little bit too bold. Cyrus Jones will not be a free agent. He will get drafted. I think he will, too. So will Kenyon Drake. Ooh, I like that one, too. Kenyon Drake will go day three. He'll, he'll go between fifth, sixth, and seventh round, but someone will take Kenyon Drake. Who He's... gets drafted first if both of those guys get drafted? Drake. I got to go with Cy. More people well, need defensive backs in this league than they do running backs. Yeah, you're right. But once you start talking that late, people are looking for special teams help, and then they hope they just find a diamond in the rough on on the field. So I don't. You could be totally right because they're both such special teams helps. That's a I, tough call. I think Cyrus Jones could be akin to Javier Arenas. I guess it depends on if someone needs a punt returner or a kick returner. Yeah. I'm going to miss those guys. All right, I let's move too. on. I, I just made you talk about the NFL, so I'm going to let you talk about hockey. Your boys hockey. are up 2-1. They're, they're up 2-1. Preds are up 2-1. By the way, that's the, only ser- that's the only hockey playoff series I'm keeping up with for you is Thank Preds you. and Ducks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Preds uh, won first two games on the road, first and the two Ducks games came on the back road. and beat them in Nashville. Ducks came back, shut out Nashville. Patrick, see if this story sounds familiar to you. I know it won't. But for hockey fans who are listening to this, it will absolutely sound familiar, especially if you're a Predators fan. The Predators come out, play two great games on the road, beat the starting goalie into submission the second game, come back home with a ton of momentum. Their opponent puts in their backup goalie who shuts them out. Patrick, this is the second year in a row this has happened for the Nashville Predators. In the first round. There's a formula for beating those guys, I guess. It's unbelievable. Uh, defense came out flat last night. Offense could not put pucks on the net like they had been in Anaheim. Uh, I think, I, I think the next one is a must win. And I, I hate being like that because, you know, it's like, well, it's it's two one. Even if Anaheim wins, the series is tied two two. 
Yeah, yeah tied two two. But, but you gotta you gotta win on your home so ice. much momentum. You gotta win on home ice. You have to. Uh, Parker Rhodes, a Pat's interference guest, who wanted. <laughs> Wanted to come back and talk about playoff <laughs> you mean, hockey. You mean 12-time Stanley Cup winner Parker Rhodes? <laughs> 14-time Wiffle Ball home run derby champion Parker Rhodes. Uh, told me the other night, and I agreed with him, Game 3 is the most important game of the series. You can always, almost always tell how a series is going to go by Game 3. Predators just get shut out 3 nothing in Game 3. So Look out that for that makes Game 4 the most important game in Nashville Predators franchise history. That's not true. Going on to the St. Louis Blue Chicago Blackhawks series, which I think is very interesting. Blues I want to up... ask you before you jump into that: if Ugh. complete and utter biases aside, who would you pick as the Stanley Cup champion this year? Patrick, uh, playoff hockey is all about who's got the hot goalie. Um, whew. right now I got to go with the Capitals. I I I love the way they've been playing. It's, it's the obvious choice because they've had such a banner year. But their goalie is hot. Ovechkin, their first and second lines are playing out of their freaking minds. They have the lowest penalty minutes of any hockey team in the playoffs right now. And they're the number one overall seed. I mean, they're just – they're impressive. They're just impressive. If you don't want me to go generic, you want me to be a little weird, maybe a little crazy, I'm taking the Kings. I think Jonathan Quick gets a nice little uh, – nice little – momentum going in this first round maybe he strings off a couple of shutouts in a row and the kings go on and win another one um, it's hilarious how you ask that question for hockey and it's like oh sh- picking from a hat basically like uh, same thing for baseball but yeah. you're talking nba you go who do you think is going to win the nba finals in any given year you're going to go one of these probably three yeah. teams <laughs> definitely not the celtics or hawks or pacers or rockets i mean it's it's just you can absolutely and you can do it a little bit for the NHL, but then again, I was talking to Parker the other night, and I told him there's no way that the Lightning are going to make it past the Red Wings. There's no, the Red Wings just have too much momentum, and the Lightning just shut me up two games in a row. So hockey's weird. Hockey is weird. I, I I'll, I'll I'll get on Wait, my hockey but the, rant. The Florida the Florida Panthers are in it though, right? Yes. Yes. That's that's the team but, I got to root for because I had a relative that played for them for a little while. Nah, whatever. I'm going to give you 30 seconds on hockey. You want me to talk about hockey for 30 seconds? No, no, no. I'm going to because I know you can't. You're about to talk about basketball, which I have one thing to input, and then you're just going to take over. Sure. Predators beat Anaheim, lose in the second round. Uh, I'm going to say that the Blues go ahead and close it out against the Blackhawks, maybe not in game five, but maybe game six. Uh, I think I, I love the Kings. I love the Rangers. Capitals obviously advancing. Um I'm not really sure who I put in my Stanley Cup finals right now, but if you're asking me to take a Stanley Cup champion, I am going to take the Washington Capitals, um, which would be great to see ex-Predator head coach Barry uh, Trotz get a Stanley Cup. Oh, the Trot. That is my 30 seconds on the NHL. I'm going to start off the NBA playoff discussion with the one little nugget of information that I have and then (laughs) let you run with it. I'm going to form it into a question, then you can take over. It's not about the Spurs. I'm sorry. That's fine. Uh, I know all the NBA. Congrats to Kawhi Leonard, by the way. Well-deserved. Absolutely well-deserved. Back-to-back like he's Jordan 97. Whoa. One of uh, two players to win – now correct me if I'm wrong on this – to win the defensive MVP in back-to-back years and also hold a finals MVP, correct? 
You are correct. And who is the other? I saw the stat the other day. Was it Olajuwon? It is Olajuwon. Okay. Very good. Okay. Now, my, my other little nugget. Steph Curry's hurt. I don't know if he's still hurt, if he's questionable. I don't know what's going on with that anymore. Why would you play him if you're the Warriors? Why play him at all? You've just won game two easily without him. Why would you ever throw him in there the rest of the series? Go. I can give you a reason why, but I agree with you. You do not play him until you know he is one. I mean, you don't put him in either till A, the next series, or B, till you know he is fully ready to go. Because and the reason you might put him in um, is because playoff basketball is is so much different than regular season basketball. It relies so much on team cohesion and then also team defense. Defense yep. is way more important in playoff basketball, but at the same time, you offense needs to be gelling or you will find yourself down two games to nothing and playing on the road. So um, you put them in because the, there is one way in my mind the Warriors don't win the finals this year, and that is Curry – gets out of his rhythm or gets injured god forbid i don't want that to happen um i promise you even if it's a, as a spurs fan i will be bummed if curry actually really gets injured and like tweaks the ankle bad so the only way they won't win is if curry is not in rhythm he almost was not in rhythm in the finals last year he they the the, the cavaliers had a very very real chance to win the finals with uh, with no Kevin Love, no um, Kyrie Irving. And that's because LeBron James outplayed Steph Curry in five of six games. Let me so, ask you something. What are the odds we see a rematch of last year's NBA Finals? I'm, I'm going I'm going 65. Wow. I'm going high. I mean, I... I, I was going to go 40. I was going to go 40% chance. I, I'm saying there are five teams that matter in this year's playoffs. And really three... And really three Spurs, strong... Warriors... Cavs. Spurs, Warriors, Cavs, Thunder, Clippers. That's it. Clippers. Wow. The, I, see, the, I don't even. I don't even consider the Clippers in the same echelon as the Spurs and Warriors. Well, no, they're not. But I'll tell you why the Clippers matter. If Curry's injury is something real, look, uh, at the point guard position, Chris Paul is the most annoying and disruptive defender. So if he's playing on Curry and Curry is now not played for four games and out of rhythm. That, that is a good team when they're gelling. The problem is this year, they Blake Griffin has been out, and he hasn't come back and really flowed with the offense yet. But they're they're dangerous. Uh, they're, they're number five for me. Um, I think the Cavs, I'm putting the Cavs at seriously a 90% chance to be in the finals. I don't think any team trips them up. I don't think any team comes close. Um, LeBron is a different player in the playoffs. He's, he's doing it again right now. People start to talk down on him a little bit. As soon as the playoffs hit, we know what LeBron's going to do. So he's in. So you're looking at uh, the Thunder. They're going to advance. The Spurs are going to advance. The Warriors are going to advance. And the Clippers are going to advance. That's the four last teams in the Western Conference. Um, the Spurs the Spurs are going to get the Thunder. Uh, I think the Spurs win that, and I'm not going to harp on my team. But I think they win that game in, in, in six series in about six games probably. Um because they have the best defense in NBA history this year. Uh, and then the Warriors with the best offense in NBA history. Uh, I explained how I think the Clippers could beat the Warriors, but I don't think they will, and I don't think it'll be relatively close. Five games. Um, it's just going to come down to whether or not you can get Curry out of rhythm. 
the, the Warriors lost nine games this year, and in those nine games, those were either A, Curry didn't play, or B, Curry didn't shoot well. That's that's the formula. There's no formula. It's not breaking the small ball that they run. There's no disrupting their small ball. It's just make sure Curry doesn't hit seven threes. Yeah. Make sure Curry is, is, is turning the ball over, not getting 11 assists. That's it. That's that's the formula. I don't care what anybody else says or, you know, well you got to make him play big. You got to make him play your pace. No, Curry can hit a Curry can hit a three at any pace. Doesn't matter. That is a team. I have never seen a team in the history of this sport where you are just you're playing them. You're playing them well, back and forth and back and forth. And you're down four. You're down two. You're up two. You're down four again. You get up, pee, commercial break, come back. Your team's down eleven. Yeah. You make yourself you make you go and grab a coke from the refrigerator. You're down 18. Nothing. It's I, I think it's a 65% chance we see Cavs Warriors. I'm giving I'm giving the Warriors a, at least a 50% chance to win the finals again. Probably higher. All right. It, flawless basketball is what they play most nights. And then, I like you it. Know, that's, Patrick, that's that's we, my playoffs. Go we got to spend go. we got to spend three minutes if you can do so. On yeah, the we're Masters. About, we're about eight minutes, eight and a half minutes, seven and a half minutes away from making this thing an hour long, so keep going. I've, I've wanted to talk, talk with you about the Masters for a while. Jordan Spieth comes in to not only the final day, not only the first nine. Patrick, don't call it the front nine. It's at Augusta. They don't do front and back. They do first and second. Goes through the front nine, Good plays enough. pretty much flawless golf. You know, nothing spectacular. Basically what he did last Sunday of the Masters last year when yeah, he admitted when he admitted it wasn't the best golf he's played and that he wasn't on his game but it sufficed he's doing pretty much the same thing Sunday of the Masters already starting to taste that green jacket it's going to be one of the four he will he would have been the fourth guy to go back to back and then all of a sudden he walks up to aiming corner bogey's 11 maybe that's in his head a little bit Maybe he walks up to the 12th tee box and says, oh, crap, I remember what happened in 2014. I was two shots off the lead, and I put it in the water. Got to make sure I don't put it in the water. Can't put it in the water. Can't put it in the water. Crap, I just put it in the water. Okay, take a drop. Just calm down. Put it in the water again. He looks up, and in a 10-minute span, he took a five-shot lead to being down one shot to Danny Willett. Danny Willett played great. His brother was hilarious on Twitter. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. It was awesome. However, Jordan Spieth colossally collapsed. One of the worst Masters collapses of all time. And I don't I'm, think that's I'm, something that you can ignore when he's as young as he is. That's a, That young thing, that's something that's a double-edged sword, Patrick. You, you can't sit there and say, oh, well, he's so young, this is so impressive, and then not also say wow, this could be really, really detrimental to his career. Now, do I think how it many is? More times Jordan, how many more times is Jordan Spieth going to have a five-shot lead with seven holes left in the Masters? Maybe never I, again. I don't know. You never know. I, I, told, I told my dad after the round, I called him, uh, after I left work, which work was madness, Masters week, as you can imagine. I was exhausted. But I called my dad, and I said, this is where we're going to see what kind of golfer Jordan Spieth is. It's, it's not... We're not seeing it when he's winning all the time. You know, Patrick, I called and told you that I was rooting for Rory McIlroy because Rory, I, I, I explained this all week. The reason that I liked Rory more than I did Jordan and wanted Rory to win more than I did Jordan is the same reason that I like Batman more than Superman. 
because Superman never struggles. Spieth doesn't really struggle. He doesn't really have that adversity. Rory had to go through all those growing pains growing up when people were saying, oh, he's just this cocky, arrogant Irish kid. Oh, well, he, he cheated on his fiance. He's a terrible person. He had to go through all those terrible growing pains in the public spotlight. Spieth didn't. Spieth went through them in college, came back, won the national championship in college, came to the pros, and pretty much became an overnight sensation. I, that's what happened. So that's why I liked Rory more. Now Spieth has this adversity. This is where we're going to see what kind of golfer Spieth can be. I don't know if he competes for another major again this year. But I think once he gets to that point again, once he gets two or three shots off the lead, or like you said, maybe he's a 54-hole leader again in a major, that's when we're going to see what type of golfer Spieth is and what kind of legacy he leaves behind. Now, golf careers last forever. He'll play for the next 20 years, barring no injuries. So, Patrick, I ask you, Jordan Spieth walks up the last day of a major with a 54-hole lead. Does he get it done? Next time, yeah, I think he does. I I don't know. I, I just, you know, you look at people like Greg Norman in 96 who had a seven-shot lead and lost it. Nick Faldo put his arm around him after that Masters and said, I just can't believe that happened. I'm so sorry for you, my friend. How, how, I mean, you just won the Masters and you're turning to the guy you beat and saying, I'm so sorry. I mean, that's, that's something that you just don't really get over. I'm not sure that Spieth can get over this. I'm not saying anything against his character. If he does do it, I will not be surprised at all. He's taking a long, long time away from golf. We won't see him again until a couple weeks from now at the Players' Championship. And he's not really great in Ponte Vedra. So, Patrick, I'm not really sure if we're going to see him compete for another major for a while. Uh, U.S. Open this year, maybe. British Open's at Royal Troon. That really favors long ball hitters. Spieth is not one of the long ball hitters. Uh, I, I could see him playing well in Rio at the Olympics. Could see him playing well at the Ryder Cup. But as far as a major is concerned, I'm just not seeing it. So for a guy like him, this happening is, is, is that detrimental to who he might be as a golfer i think we're gonna have to wait and see but that, i think because that that second ball doesn't go in the water and we're still talking about spieth is is, is the next thing yes. now we're talking like will he ever recover from that is that is that right i i don't want it to sound that dramatic but patrick think of the way that is his i i, I told my boss that's his kick six to relate it to alabama fans who are listening to this podcast and who have tuned out Tune back in. Jordan well, Spieth hitting answer, two in then. the water on 12 that's an easy answer. is kick team, six. We've, we've won two more. Well, actually, okay. Our kick yes, six results in the, then us There's also 100-plus guys and a coach who's, at that point, had coached three national championship teams at your school leading you on. For Spieth, he wakes up every morning with this as his loss. Now, I'll never know why his caddy, Michael Greller, did not tell him to step up a little bit closer to the hole once they took their drop. They were 87 yards away. They could have snuck up to about 63 or 64 yards out. I don't know why you take it so far there. I don't know why Speed doesn't club up. Listen, if you're Jordan Speed, yeah, you just bogeyed 11 and that sucks. Step up to 12. Remember 2014. Say, okay, I'm not going to hit it in the water. Bomb it over the green 30 feet. Who cares? So you make another bogey and you've got a four-shot lead. Or excuse me, sorry, Willett would have birdied at that point, so he would have had a three-shot lead. But you've got a three-shot lead with six holes to play, and the other guy's only got two holes to play. 
I just I don't really understand it. I and I, I think, like I said, I think we're gonna really see what type of golfer Jordan Spieth is based on how he responds to this. That's my little golfing segment. I can't wait to talk about the Players Championship. It's one of my favorite tournaments. It probably is my favorite tournament. They call it Golf's Fifth Major. We'll talk about that next podcast episode probably. We got Valero this weekend. The weekend after that, uh, I believe it's the players. So I'm really, really excited to talk about that. Patrick, thank you for letting me spiel about golf for a little bit. I'm really, in closing, I'm really pulling for Jordan Speed. I really, really want the kid to pull out of this because now that I think he's had some adversity, I think it could be fun to watch him overcome that. Nothing would make my heart happier than he walks up with a 54 hole lead at the U.S. Open with a, you know, two, three shot lead and wins by eight or nine shots. Just goes out and dominates people. But I just don't see that happening after what happened at the Masters. All right. So that's that's my spiel. You got your ho- ho- golf and hockey. I got my uh, NBA and NFL. I love it. I love it. Patrick, do you have a sound off tonight? Oh, boy. Hey, you start with one. I'll see if I can come up with one. I've got one. Adam Scott, Australian golfer. I'm not done with the golf. Announced no, you're not. today that he is not playing in the Rio Olympics. He's not playing. Says it can't fit into his schedule. Patrick, I don't know. I, I understand that golfers think that majors are all that there is. Majors, Ryder Cup, and President's Cup are pretty much all golfers care about. You have an opportunity to do something that hasn't been done in 1924, and that's represent your country in the Olympics and your sport, and you're going to turn it down when you're number one in the FedEx Cup standings right now? And I know. I know he's got a kid. He's got a brand new baby. I hope that baby is healthy. I hope his wife is healthy, and I hope they're doing great. But you can't afford two weeks out of your life to go to Rio. I understand he's worried about Zika. I, I completely get it. I completely get it. But at the same time, that's an opportunity that has not come around. And by the way, Adam Scott, in case you haven't really noticed, you're not exactly great at golf anymore. Yeah, you've won twice this year on tour. But you played terribly at the Masters. Um, and I'm just not really sure why you wouldn't want to represent your country. And it's a little infuriating to me because now, you know, I'm worried it's going to start a trend of a bunch of golfers saying, oh, well, it's not a major. Well, it's too busy this year. Especially Adam Scott, you don't even have the Ryder Cup to worry about. All the majors will be done by that point. Why are you not going to go play? That's my sound off. I'm pissed at Adam Scott. Go play in the freaking... And also, if it's about your kid, Danny Willett had a kid a week before he just slipped on the green jacket. So I don't want to hear that excuse. I don't want to hear it. Patrick, do you have a sound off? You were here. Do you remember what I was – I said I was going to do one. I came up with one. I was like, I'm going to do that next time. Do you remember it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. But I, no, I, I don't – I remember you saying that. I don't remember what it was. Oh, boy. Well, I know I know. right now the thing that's got me today is uh, – this is nothing against Kirby Smart at all. I'm getting a little bit sick of Georgia right now. A little, oh. little sick of hearing about Georgia. Oh, Jacob let Eason, have it. Let it have it. You know, let they got they got their they got their powerful arm, um, and this is all this is really all Facebook arguments and message board stuff. They've flipped a couple of our recruits. Like it always happens when coach leaves and goes to a new school. That's you know, same conference. Uh, but a couple of the guy I don't even know these guys' names. They don't even matter to me. But they they were tweeting about another guy flipped from Alabama or decommitted and then they started talking about how ooh everybody's leaving like they they were doing little emoji tweets 
about everybody leaving Alabama. Yeah. And then Jacob Eason came out. He played well in the spring game with the five-star number one overall quarterback. Uh, they paid ludicrous to come to their spring game. I just want to remind Georgia real quick who they are. Oh, boy. <laughs> maybe Kirby Smart maybe Kirby Smart t- turns it around, but this is how the rest of the SEC sees you. You're oh, going to come out, and you're going to win your first game. And whoever you start a quarterback is going to look awesome doing it. It's going to look great. Oh, my goodness. Week two. Ah, oh, Georgia. We might as well go ahead and put Georgia in the top ten, guys. Seriously, this is this is go this is go something ahead. special. Go ahead and We're throw put Georgia. Go ahead and throw them in the college football playoff. Yeah, let's go ahead. You know they are. Ooh, you know. How I, how are you going to stop Nick Chubb? <laughs> well, actually, only... I really, I really not, I really like Nick Chubb. I do uh, too. Now now he's being. But the thing about Nick Chubb is that he's like Jeremy Johnson. You can only hope to contain him. <laughs> Don't even compare those two guys. Don't even. Sorry, Leonard Fournette would be more accurate too. You can only hope to contain him. I was I was just saying preseason hype. Sorry, yeah. get get back into it. Go. And then you are going to drop a game. You're gonna drop to. You are gonna drop the Florida game. You're South gonna Carolina. drop the Tennessee game. You're gonna drop the South. One of these games, you're gonna end up nine and three at the end of the season, like everybody knows you will. And you're gonna be another pretender, and we won't hear a peep from Georgia. Until their next year's spring game. It's what happens every year. Dude, they were going to destroy us last year in Athens. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? They were going to was apart. That was, that was, that game was supposed to mark the end of the dynasty. That, the, the, um, the, the Ole Miss game was closing the coffin and Georgia was going to nail it. Yep. So, we'll just... I kind of feel about Georgia right now the way you always seem to feel about Tennessee. Oof. <laughs> but I think Tennessee's a better I, team. I was not expecting that, but you're right. That is a great sound off. Congratulations. You, that was, I come in with my Adam Scott bowl, and you just ripped Georgia to shreds, and I love it. And I really hope they don't beat us next year. Because well, tell me what they're going to do. Okay, so they're going to start a true freshman quarterback in a pass-rushing league, or? With a brand-new coach with a brand new coach first year defensive minded um or they're going to start <laughs> Grayson Lambert I mean I mean he showed us what he was about last year yeah they're gonna come in on uh, a one-legged running back actually from everything I'm hearing Nick Chubb is is, is exceeding expectations um well, I mean yeah but what what were those expectations the defense been picked clean. Oh, well, the expectation is you'll heal in, uh, from an ACL in, in nine, ten months and be ready. And he's... Yeah, nine, ten months. But when you know better than anybody, when you come back from an ACL injury, you don't come back the way you were. Ask, so, Ken- uh, ask Kenyon Drake. The... Kenyon, ask tor- Kenyon didn't tear his ACL. Kenyon had serious ACL trouble. I thought Kenyon broke his ankle. Kenyon broke his ankle and tore his ACL. I forgot all that. Um, Kenny looked fine to me in the national championship. No, it's the the surgeries are getting Stop. a lot better and the Stop rehab it. is getting Stop. a lot better. He did not look fine in the national championship. He had one good play in the national championship. The rest of the season, we were always we can go back through the archive. Which, by the way, fans, if you want to listen to one of our old episodes, just let us know. We've got them archived. Uh, you can go back and listen to the old episodes. Every week, we were asking, still waiting to see Kenyon Drake. Still not sure where Kenyon Drake's at. Kenyon Drake caught a couple passes this week. Had a nice little jet sweep for a touchdown. 
Still not sure where Kenyon Drake is. Um, I like so the, the question guy. is, will, 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 Nick, will, the, will Nick Chubb come back as Peterson or Derrick Rose? There's your question. Yes. Uh, I love Nick Chubb. I think he's a, I think he's a different I like breed. him a lot. I think he comes I, I'm back rooting as for him. I'm rooting for him, man. I'm rooting for George. I'm rooting for Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart, but you've got a great point. If history tells us anything, it's going to be a very, very sad year to be a Georgia Bulldog. Could you imagine Ludacris playing at our spring game? Ugh. No. I, I can't imagine any of our fans being interested in that, honestly. They're trying to dethrone the Bama dynasty with Flash, and that's a great way to go because they're not going to outclass us. Yeah, they should probably just black out their entire stadium too, right? Ugh. Good call. Dang. I think on that note we need to end this because it is 1.53 my time, 12.53 your time. I've got to be up to go to boxing at 4.45. You've got to be up God knows when to do God knows what. I, I This was a solid episode. Season 2, Episode 5 is in the books. You can find us on Twitter at PI underscore podcast on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That is P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. You can go to our website at patsinterference.com. We were on iTunes. Now we're off iTunes looking to get back on iTunes. I don't know. It's just, it's it's a whole mess, but we'll figure it out. We'll keep you posted on there. But right now, just go to patsinterference.com. All the episodes are there. Let us know what you think of this episode. Like, comment, share. Email us at patsinterference at gmail.com. That's it for us. I'm Patrick Norwood. He's Patrick Brigman. We will talk to you next week or the week after, depending on how busy we get. Again, it's the off season. We can do these whenever we want. Once the season starts, we will go back to our weekly schedule. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. We could not do this without you. Huge dream of ours. We're really, really happy you're along for the ride. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon. Roll Tide.